Hello, welcome to the Sarah Sloan Show, where we keep our eyes closed, but our mouths open, so we can say a lot. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm joined here with my father, and uh, we got some new stories to hit today, to slap, to kick, and we're just going to jump into it. So the first one is actually about uh, someone I've been speaking about pretty much, I feel like, almost every single show, Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and he was featured on 60 Minutes, which... If you know anything about 60 Minutes, it's really um, valued. Did, did you watch 60 Minutes all growing up? I did. I remember the uh, different segments they had, and it was always very interesting. Sometimes, you know, controversial. You'd see things you didn't, you wouldn't see on normal news. Maybe they'd have an expose of something. And, yeah, very entertaining. Yeah, and I think it still is to this day, but sadly, um, you know, they're not being true journalists and being factual, so they twisted what happened with uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So, uh, just for a little bit of the backstory of this, um, just in the administration, uh, or the administering of vaccines, um, a good way to do this is just in grocery stores um, and pharmacies. It's just people go there and then they remember and a lot of people, that's how they get their flu shots. They see, they go into a Walgreens, they're just shopping. Oh, flu shot. Hmm, maybe I should do that. And otherwise, they probably would never get their flu shot. I never get a flu shot personally, but some people do. So this is the way they live. So um, he, he was wanting to have the distribution in all the stores just to make sure it's really accessible for people. And pretty much a lot of the places were already, they had their own plans, so they couldn't you know, go with the new way that they were going to be doing it. And Publix was first. Publix is a very famous Florida uh, chain. Um, and yeah, we actually have some history in Florida. So uh, all I know is Florida uh, or Publix has some good ice cream. Oh my <laughs> gosh. They have like every flavor you can imagine. Um, but it, you know, they were the first to say, yes, we'll be able to do this. I'm a little confused. Basically $100,000 was given to him. And it was going to be spread out over a few years. So, you know, that is really what people are saying. It's pay to play. So he has the administering of the vaccines in Publix. And that is pay to play because they gave him $100,000. That's that's the way they're making it look. And even though he literally says that he's been trying to make it work with all these places and all these areas. So um, let's just play what their portrayal was. We wanted to ask Governor DeSantis about the deal, but he declined our request for an interview. We caught up with him south of Orlando. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in So Palm first Beach. of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. How, how is that not pay to that, play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor, I met with the administrator, I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites, we can give more to hospitals, we can do the publics. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. 
But Melissa McKinley, the county commissioner in the Glades, told us the governor never met with her about the public's deal. The criticism is that it's pay to play, It's wrong, it's wrong, it's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative and you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. Well, I, I and so it's clearly not. Isn't there the nearest no, public No, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, away. you're wrong. Yes, That's sir. actually a fact. <laughs> I love the way he deals with her. Um, but of course, they're doing this voiceover as he's giving more information and trying to explain the situation, even though he had literally just done this. And, you know, it'd be like saying, you know, I don't slap women on the street. Well, do you slap women on the street? No, I just explained that I don't slap women on the street. So he then says, and you're, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're basically doing this fancy news talk over him explaining his what he's saying and it's it's total deception you know one thing that comes right out to me is you know we've been listening to all these stories about the massive um, stimulus bill and now the infrastructure bill and you know this is like 10 cents oh yeah anyway so th this is you know we, they don't even talk about anything less than a million dollars it's worth even mentioning and now you're going to tell me about a hundred thousand dollars that there is so much huge corruption and it's all millions and billions and it has nothing to do with anything less than that and that's instantaneous spending a lot of times not mm -hmm. all the time but a lot of times and mm -hmm. this is spread out over many years mm -hmm. of the hundred thousand dollars to many years he could look at a rich man and get a million. You know, mm -hmm. he's a governor. He's very powerful. I don't think he's going to be swayed by $100,000 spread out over many years. Boy, they're just looking for a net. You know, they're looking for the smallest possible thing. And you just see this double standard that if they can find the smallest of offenses, they're going to try to go after it. Whereas for their side, nothing is explored. Oh, for sure. And press secretary meeting, Jen Psaki, probably the, the smartest press secretary I think the White House has ever seen. Uh, sarcasm. She, you know, has something to say on this as well. Had been dealing with some sort of, some sort of improper dealings with the supermarket chain publics as far as uh, distributing the vaccine. So did those reports give the White House any pause in working with Governor DeSantis in the vaccine program? Uh, well, first, let me say that for those who weren't following this in Florida, uh, one of the concerns we've had as we've watched the data is that 17 percent of Florida's population is African-American, but less than 7 percent of vaccinations have gone to African-Americans uh, in the state. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we opened four FEMA sites in Miami, Tampa, Jacksonville, and Orlando. And these sites just proportionally serve communities of color. So we've been closely watching this data and these statistics as we would in any state across the country. And we took these specific actions for that purpose. Um, we are not going to um, hurt the people of Florida uh, just because of uh, the, the steps or actions of leadership. Um, and we will continue to take actions to ensure that the vaccine is equitably distributed. Go ahead. A very rehearsed answer. Well, I guess one thing you could say from the answer, she didn't have any issue with the public's money because she completely ignored that question and went straight to race. A completely different issue. Yeah, and I'm excited to play this next clip because he addresses that. 
Mm-hmm. He addresses a lot of things, you know, and he's basically calling them out 60 minutes. Um, but, you know, uh, the powerful White House, they, they're not going to punish the Florida people because they happen to not like his governor. They'll still be good to them. Uh, you know, the United States <laughs> of America. And by the way, your help is no help at all. So stay away. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what you can do with statistics. And of course, everything with statistics now seems to be about race. So they said, I think that she said 14% of the Florida population is black. 17%. Okay, 17% huh? is black. And only 7% of those vaccinated have been black. Whereas, you know, you'd think it would be around 17 if you were going to have the averages, right? That's actually pretty good. <laughs> well, if, if 17, you know, that might be one out of six of the population is black, then you would expect about one out of six of the, those vaccinated to be black. But it, it wasn't. It was only 7%, which is a much smaller number. Oh, okay, okay. So, you know, but I'm sure wherever they did the vaccinations, they said, oh, you're black? You can't get one. Sorry. I thought it was 7% of all vaccinations that were given to Floridians. Were was. given to black people. But that's pretty good. That's, that's my point. I think that that's pretty good because um, obviously there's time for more. Uh, vaccines to be given mm-hmm. and so far not everyone has gotten a vaccine of any color so right. I, I thought that that was actually really good well again if you went by averages you would expect it to be similar to the percentage of the population that they mm-hmm. are you'd expect it to be around 17 give or take a few percents and but there's probably all kinds of reasons for it and i'm, I'm sure i don't know in my opinion it's certainly not based on race if there was a category, whether it be school teachers, whether it would be elderly, do you really believe that they said, oh, we're not going to give it to the black school teachers. We're not going to give it to the black elderly. You know, I just can't believe that. But they're trying to imply that there's some kind of discrimination occurring. Oh, yeah. that They can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a force of habit. <laughs> um, has anyone ever thought to ask, hey, do you even want a vaccine? Because no one even thinks that. They just assume you want it. You're just like a, a cow in the herd, you know, and you're just walking along, getting your vaccine. You know, some people have minds and they say, hey, I don't want one. So <laughs> what if that has to do with part of the issue? That's a very good point. You know, I think most of the time they just completely ignore that. They assume if this is the percentage of black people that were vaccinated, it was artificially kept low because of discrimination systemic discrimination and it couldn't possibly be that somebody didn't want one. Oh, that could never be the case and they do the same thing um with job parity you know uh with women and men mm-hmm. engineering there's barely any woman in engineering what if a woman doesn't want to be an engineer what if she feels right. like being an elementary school teacher because that's what she wants to do I thought we were supposed to honor women and their wishes and their desires. You know, I just reading a little article about United Airlines hiring of pilots, and they want to pretty much get about half of their new pilots to be people of color. I was thinking, 
okay, well, you kind of have to go with those that are out there applying for the jobs who are trained and qualified pilots. <laughs> you know, don't you? You know, but yeah. I guess they're implying is the airline has just turned their back on people of color and only hired white pilots, white male pilots. Which would be racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, okay, if it seems like the natural trend assuming they weren't racist, the natural trend is that majority of people trying to be pilots who are white and they're only now going to be looking at minorities, then they are going to be making decisions based purely on race. That's correct. So now there is actually going to be racism, whereas before there was not racism. Right, of course, they assume that there was, but really they're getting into the area of affirmative action or quotas you know, percentage goals, you know, that have to be reached. So kind of what that means is, well, they basically realize they have a high percentage of current pilots are white male, so they're going to make a correction. And so now, amongst the hiring that occurs, they're going to go for kind of like a 50% goal. And uh, it doesn't have to do with 50% of who's applying, no, they just want 50% to be pilots of color. Yeah, that's racism. <laughs> you know, and you can't call everything racism, but that's racism. So, Or you might even call it reparations. <laughs> They're correcting past wrongs by current racism or prejudice or discrimination to correct past wrongs. That's their way of seeing it. Yeah, past wrongs that... Uh, we didn't commit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't enslave anybody last time I checked. <laughs> you know, all the white privilege. Yeah. So the opposite of white privilege is, you know, a lack of privilege by minorities. And to correct that inequity, this is their approach. Oh, yeah. I, I was taught about white privilege in college, and I... Do you fail that class? I Well, no. I raised my hand and I said, you know, you make it sound, well, the whole thing is stupid. But I was like, you make it sound bad. You know, why instead of privilege, can't you just say blessing? Like we've been blessed or something. And then she was like, she's like, I understand what you're saying. And sure, we can call it that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be privilege. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> A privilege is usually the word privilege is usually used like you know with kids getting to play these video games is a privilege not a right i i just now they've used it in in this term another word might be i'm just thinking their way of thinking is advantage yeah white advantage yeah they feel like there's a huge white advantage and that's you know that's what they're referring to when they speak of white privilege yeah. Did, did you explain to them that you were actually a person of color? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because technically, based on blood, I am. Um, but yeah, they probably wouldn't care about that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play the Ron DeSantis clip. They cut out everything that showed that their narrative was a piece of horse manure. Um, and it shows you how dishonest. These are smear merchants. That's why nobody trusts corporate media Uh, They are a disaster in what they're doing. They knew what they were doing was a lie. 
I knew what they were doing was a lie. Everybody here knows what they were doing is a lie. They know that we know they're lying and yet they continue to lie. And they lied and they lied and they lied. We offered them the information and they declined to interview the key people uh, because they didn't want to let go of the narrative. Well, guess what? There's going to be consequences for that. Uh, we're not, I know corporate media thinks that they can just run over people. Uh, you ain't running over this governor. I'm punching back and I'm going to continue to do it. until these smear merchants are held accountable. The fact of the matter is, Florida has vaccinated three and a half million senior citizens. We were the first state in the country to put seniors first. The results of our efforts are that seniors are much less likely to be hospitalized for COVID than they were six months ago. So our efforts have worked, and particularly in Palm Beach County, uh, we've done over 275,000 seniors just in that one county. That's 75% of all the seniors there. It's been a, a team effort. We've worked in a lot of different ways, um, but you can't lie. Uh, and you should have not run it. Uh, they were warned, uh, and yet they plowed ahead anyways. And so we're going to be doing even more to expose uh, more lies because there's lies built upon lies on all this. You know, for example, they're attacking publics. You know it's New York corporate media. When you come to Florida and attack Publix, I mean, like, people like, I mean, like, maybe they're, they like their dogs better than Publix, but not much. I mean, it's one of the most popular brands in the state. It would have been malpractice to cut Publix out of assisting. And I know we were able to expand retail sites in Bay. People were very happy. Um, but what they're saying is, is a total crock that somehow only Publix was getting it. It was nonsense. And we told them it was that and they cut it out, they spliced it because they can't handle the truth. And they know if they would have put out everything, uh, they wouldn't have had a story. And so they went for the smear. Uh, they've been caught red-handed. Now see all these corporate media people, they all scratch each other's back. So, you know, a lot of them just are pretending it didn't happen. They're not going to really police their own, uh, but we're going to have a lot of people that are going to police their own. But the message is for people out there, Unless you're a partisan leftist, uh, do not trust corporate media. You can't trust them. They're not trustworthy. They will lie. They will smear. Um, and then they just move on to the next target and think that they're going to be able to get away with it. You ain't getting away with it here, okay? You come down to our state and you try to smear people, um, you know, we're going to bite back and we're going to hold you accountable. So this is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, he's he's just so refreshing. <laughs> I love him. You know, I wonder just his um, his willingness to go on sixty minutes. Th that really shows a lot of courage, in a sense. He, I think, he knew it would not be a welcoming environment. Yeah, and it would have a narrative and an agenda, and it would try to smear him. Oh, for sure, and. Yeah, he did say that uh, they omitted 356 words from his 422-word answer in their report. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> and yeah, that's what I was talking about, you know, with that fancy talking. He said this and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they're talking right over him giving the best part of the explanation. Right. <laughs> oh, we just had to condense it. 
and there were literally Democrats in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a former Democratic senator. Um, there was, I think, a Palm Beach County mayor. And they were saying, this is false, and it's intentionally false. Um, they, Yeah, they said that they asked for an interview with 60 Minutes, and it, the 60 Minutes denied them because they were saying, this, this is wrong. You know, you guys are giving false information Mm -hmm. and you heard what he said it that what they did in that area um 75 of the seniors Mm. being vaccinated that's amazing you know it uh one reality and, and again i i think he's emphasizing it the story you know showing 60 minutes nationwide is a lot of people are going to see that yep how many will see the retraction or there won't be a retraction, but how many will see the rebuttal that he is giving here? How many will listen to that or even get a clue that something was fishy about that story? It will never be shown on the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Only people like us will see it Mm -hmm. or hear about it. Or the few that listen to the Sarah Sloan show. That's true. You guys are a better audience uh, than all the people that watch CNN, that's for sure. Because now you know the truth. And, you know, they're doing it to someone like him. They can do it to us, and they don't care. They Journalism is supposed to be about facts, and they don't care. And they skew the facts, and they twist, and they manipulate. And it, that is not what I was taught about journalism. There was ethics to journalism. We were given tests about ethics and everything else. And... Uh, the professionals, the famous people in our country in journalism don't even give a flip. Mm. And it's celebrated and they're given rewards. And there was some idiot on uh, NBC, Lester Holt. He was saying, you know, fairness is overrated. Um, We don't need to listen to both sides if someone says the sun will set and then someone says the sun will never set. Something like that. I'm botching it. Um, we don't need to listen to the other side. Mm. There's no point in it. So that's what they're doing now. You know, that's that's media. You know, I, I used to really be, tr- you know, I tried to be more open and um, I listened to so many podcasts and I was, you know, I said, okay, I'm going to always have a liberal show that I'll listen to because I need to hear what the other side is saying. I don't need to hear what the other side is saying. I don't want it to contaminate me. Mm. It is just pure fiction and twisting and manipulation and i don't want it inside of me and i get to hear about it on i get to hear clips on these conservative shows that i listen to so i don't need it there's a word of course that is well known as propaganda and it's really getting to that point Mm -hmm. where what used to be news is really in fact propaganda you think in terms of Well, first of all, why did 60 Minutes decide to focus on Florida? Because it was having great success, and they want to um, refute, distort. They're worried about DeSantis. It's obvious. They know he could win the presidency. You know, I've just heard the state that's doing the worst for COVID, Michigan. Okay, I was going to assume like California or New York. They're not going to touch Governor Whitmer. Oh, that lady? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, she has been very strict in everything, and the results have been poor. 
Wow. But do they care about that? No. Nope. She's one of them. Wow. They're going to support her. She's part of the narrative. So leave her alone. Gosh. And in the meantime, people suffer for it. Um, okay, so I quickly do want to touch uh, two other topics. Um, the first is, I saw this article and I, th- I the headline just screamed out at me. Supreme Court Justice Thomas suggests Facebook, Twitter could be regulated like utilities. This is on the Epic Times. And um, yeah, the concept of that, I just find so intriguing. Obviously, I hate the overreach that the tech, you know, these tech oligarchs have had um where they're owned by one person you know social media is is really it is becoming like a utility to the point where you could argue against that and say well like water and everything is not 100 percent essential well we can go get our water elsewhere it's not technically that we need water running through our pipes but it's a utility so in the same way a lot of people that this is a way they communicate now and so, and we don't need it, but it, it's becoming more and more like a utility, it seems like. There was actually a case that went to the Supreme Court, you won't believe it, um, about Trump and the fact that he, on, whenever he was on Twitter, he would block people that would comment on his post or comment against him, basically. So they were trying to sue him for that. The fact that he did that and that reached the Supreme Court, that's what we're wasting our time on. You know, the guy's not even the president anymore. And so they actually didn't even end up really, they, they wrote a 12-page thing saying we're not really going to deal with this. But they mm-hmm. wrote an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. And so this was a, a quote from Thomas. Today's digital platforms provide avenues for historically unprecedented amounts of speech, including speech by government actors. Also unprecedented, however, is control of so much speech in the hands of a few private parties. We will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned information infrastructure such as digital platforms. You know, it's interesting, like the concept of regulating a utility is that it has a monopoly. And the regulation is largely monetary and i think in that way it's very different than what you're talking about um or what justice thomas is talking about you know the idea of regulating utility is so that what they charge what they charge would be a fair price that they're not charging exorbitant rates they're basically charging enough to cover their costs uh, because they have this monopoly and they shouldn't take advantage of it and just be able to charge whatever they want. So regulation of Twitter and Facebook is a different matter. And I don't, in a sense, think, how, who could you trust to do that? Would you trust the government or any agency or department of the government to do that? Wouldn't their views, you know, dictate how they would regulate? So to me, to that degree, I I can't see that working. You know, they're going to regulate it. You know, there'd have to be some objective standards where they aren't allowed to, you know, ban people or cancel accounts uh, based on viewpoints. 
or if they say that it's based on public welfare or you know dangers then they would have to be held to those standards but the way i see the government operating today i could never trust them to regulate that in any way they would just say yes to the left no to the right and where would we be in the same place we are now mm-hmm. yes to the left no to the right so i i get i get your point and honestly i i, I partly agree with it um, you were mentioning utilities and charging, uh, how they charge and making sure that that's, you know, the dangers of them, you know, uh, kind of taking advantage of the people. Well, sure, they're not charging anything, but maybe take out the word charge and, and then it sounds like social media, doing what they want with the people, deleting accounts, doing all of this. So um, it actually is a lot more similar once you kind of take out that the money side of it. Um, yeah, the government in anything I don't usually like, but where's this thing headed anyway? It doesn't seem to be headed anywhere good. Um, I, I did want to read this one part that he also said. Um, and he, he was also mentioning that modern technology isn't going to be easily like addressed, you know, with laws and regulations. Um, so he said, the Supreme Court will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned information and infrastructure such as digital platforms. The Second Circuit feared that then-President Trump cut off speech by using the features that Twitter made available to him. But if the aim is to ensure that speech is not smothered, then the more glaring concern must perforce uh, be the dominant digital platforms themselves. As Twitter made clear, the right to cut off speech lies most powerfully in the hands of private digital platforms. The extent to which that power matters for purposes of the First Amendment and the extent to which the power could lawfully be modified raise interesting and important questions. You know, when you mentioned where is this going in the future, isn't it going to new platforms that are in response to unjust and unfair uh, canceling of accounts and discrimination. You know, I, I think it's going to have to go that direction. Yeah, so you're optimistic about the parlors and the MeWees and... Frank. Um, what? Mike Lindell's. New. Is that what it's called, Frank? I believe so. Okay, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so you're excited about the possibilities of those new ones, um, and I am as well. Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I exactly land on this. I think it's important, obviously, just to bring it up as a topic, you know, for a debate. So I think I probably land more closely to you, even though I probably didn't at the beginning of this discussion. Um, he was also mentioning that a person could choose to avoid the toll bridge or train and could instead swim in the Charles River or hike the Oregon Trail. But in assessing whether a company exercises substantial market power, what matters is whether the alternatives are comparable. For many of today's digital platforms, nothing is. And that is true. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, with Parler, they're not allowed to be on an app store. Uh, Amazon wouldn't allow them to use their servers. Mm-hmm. They're not treating them the same mm-hmm. or not even close to the same. Right. So there's, it's a very steep, um, you know, startup cost. And, and then, of course, they have built-in disadvantages. So I'm not saying that it's, they can instantly compare fully but I, I do see that as the response for the future because you know it, it can't be 
you know, where they just continually cut off anything that speaks of election fraud, for example, uh, or whatever topic they deem, uh, you know, untouchable. And, you know, so I guess really the options are there'd be some kind of regulation of those big established ones, or there'd be an open door for new ones to come along. And, you know, I, I guess really then a lot of it lays in the hands of the public. Will the public abandon the ones that are abusing their powers in an unjust way? Or will they just follow along because those are the ones that they know and are comfortable with and even have some built-in advantages? Hmm. Yeah, and I, I, well, right now they have advantage because they're treated as a platform, an unbiased platform, versus being treated like um, an information outlet, like mm-hmm. New York, the New York Times. Mm-hmm. So the New York Times has to be careful with the information that they release, and they could be sued, versus they don't have that same threat. The social medias don't. But it seems like they are a platform now because they police speech, and they correct speech. Mm. If you say something, if anything with Sidney Powell, election fraud, Donald Trump, um, it's going to be taken off because supposedly what they're saying is false information. Dinesh D'Souza made this really good point on his podcast. Um, you could post on Facebook, two plus two equals five. They're not going to take that off. They're not going to flag that. Mm. That's totally wrong information. Mm. By the way, if you didn't know, two plus two equals four. Um, so they don't care about misinformation. They care about the information that is affecting them politically. I think it's right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, they care about misinformation. That's not politically correct. Yes. Yes. So they, they just are going to focus in on a certain category and in effect ban it. It will no longer exist as far as they're concerned. Because yep. nobody will ever see it if it's posted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spot on. Well, well, this was a good debate. I'm glad I brought this up because, yeah, you had different thoughts than I did. Um, yeah, and I, I'm definitely going to be mulling it a lot more. Uh, okay, so for the last topic, it is that Texas is banning the COVID-19 vaccine passports. And you were saying that you don't think this is a big deal. Well, just in the sense that I guess they could ban vaccine passports as they're executed by people or companies or entities in the state. But they can't control anything outside the state. They can't control Mm -hmm. anything at the federal or national level. So if uh, even airlines, let's say even American Airlines, which I know has a big hub in Dallas, if not their national headquarters, I think it is, although I know they're big in other cities too, uh, could they keep American Airlines from establishing vaccine passports or participating in those programs should they arise? You know, what if uh, the European Union decides you're only going to travel here with a vaccine passport? What difference does that make what Texas did? If you're from Texas and you're going to the EU, you've got to have it. So I guess I'm just questioning to what degree it would make a difference. Now, I guess, you know, what if a company based in Texas says all our employees must have 
a vaccine passport to work for us. In other words, evidence that they have been vaccinated. Uh, maybe what Texas has now done will keep them from doing that. So to that extent, I guess it would be effective. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, and well, Florida, Texas, if we want to fly to Florida, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) And if Floridians want to fly to Texas, they're good. So um, hopefully South Dakota does the same thing. You know, Christy Nome is a pretty good governor. So then we can go there uh, without vaccine passports. Um, So, you know, I, for me, I'm, I'm just, our country is so corrupt. I'm just cheering the small victories now, of course, you know, Governor Abbott, I, I personally don't like the guy that much. Um, I think he's pretty weak, and he just does whatever it is politically expedient. And, you know, he said, we will never require our citizens to take vaccines. You know, uh, a year ago said, we will never require our citizens to, t- uh, to wear masks. And then he had a mask mandate that lasted almost a year. Mm. Yeah, so I don't really trust the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's saying this now. And I hope he keeps with it. I really do. I would much rather have that. Uh, but honestly, it's it's super obvious. He's seeing Ron DeSantis's fame and popularity rise all across the country for conservatives. And uh, I think he's wanting to run for president as well. And he's a little jealous of that popularity. And so now he's thinking... Let's follow Ron DeSantis and mm. just do what he does. Uh, because why can he have done it before Ron DeSantis? Mm. They're governors. There's, there was nothing stopping him. So in other words, Governor Abbott's a little bit of a poll watcher. Of course he is. Mm. He's weak. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of respect for the guy. Mm. Um, I have respect for Ron DeSantis. Maybe we should move to Florida. I've been saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, please. <laughs> I could work there. I don't mind. <laughs> well, there's no income tax in either one, so. Yeah. No, St- I, state income tax. It is. I was born in Florida. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I feel a calling to go back. <laughs> uh, there's no max there. Ben Shapiro moved there. Because mm-hmm. uh, Texas is getting kind of crowded with Californians, so that's getting old. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, it, you know, obviously I agree with you. It's not going to matter if co- other states or countries are wanting it you know, you'd have a vaccine passport, but I'm telling you, you know, just bit by bit and, mm. uh, people see how stupid this idea is and how scary it is. Uh, you know, they were mentioning it's gotta be on your phones. You gotta have an app and that'll show your vaccine passport. Well, now you're forcing the American citizens to get smartphones. Mm. Um, sorry if some people can't afford that. I thought you cared about the low income people and you hated the upper class. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> One concept just to mention is the concept of preemption. So a lot of what we see happening in the news today is states will come out with a position, even though maybe federal action hasn't been taken, but thinking that it might be taken. So we're going to preemptively say we outlaw vaccine passports. Just in case you're thinking of doing it, federal government or federal agencies, we want you to know that Texas has outlawed it before wow. you even do it. So there's a little bit of a power struggle there. Obviously, there, we've seen a lot of that between the states and the federal. And I think that's what this is part of. Wow. Okay, interesting. Didn't know that. Uh, then please keep it up. And yeah, hopefully 
hopefully it's effective and hopefully they can stand strong against the federal government. You know, it's just Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Imagine uh, our governor and, and Joe Biden going at it. <laughs> <laughs> Who would win? <laughs> One in a wheelchair and the other you can, never know, can barely though. walk. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Apparently, uh, our governor was struck by lightning. He was mm-hmm. running whenever, I think he was 26, and he was struck by lightning and a tree fell on him. And mm-hmm. that's how he lost his use of his legs. Very sad story. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's made the most of his life, so uh, good for him. Okay, so now to <laughs> end on a verse. Um, Proverbs 14, 8. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. So the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. And I was, whenever I, I uh, you know, picked this verse, I, I was thinking about, you know, this Ron DeSantis story and just how he gave thought to his ways. He really thought this through. He really talked with other people and tried to figure out what was the best for the lives of, uh, you know, Floridians and these fools. They are just thinking, you know, 60 minutes. They're just thinking deception. Let's just deceive. Let's just make him look bad. Mm-hmm. Who cares about all the good that he did? That doesn't matter. We just don't like him because of his politics. And we're a little afraid that he's probably going to win the presidency. And so let's just deceive. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that I thought that was a great um, example of this verse. And we see this every day. You know, wise people, they think things through. And fools, they just deceive. You know, one concept you see again and again is amongst politicians, you know, they most of them are not novices or naive they know what they're doing and if they would give thought to their ways and just simply try to do the right thing you know many times they are thinking okay i know what the right thing to do would be but i really want to do this other thing and i think i can get away with it without being caught whether that's taking a limousine and getting off to ride your bicycle the last little bit of the way (laughs) or you know to be fair going to cancun in the midst of a snowstorm and blaming your daughters (laughs) yeah you know you're thinking you know what if that would ever hit the press it would look really bad and maybe it's not the right time or, or place for me to do that but i think i can get away with it and of course they don't yeah that's true So if we would just give thought to our ways and do the right thing, it would avoid so many problems, so many scandals, so many embarrassing moments. You're right. Yeah. And of course, honestly, you could have thought even just without God or spirituality, Mm -hmm. um, because in America, we, our foundation is God. So naturally our thoughts spring to biblical morality and we take it for granted so we're very blessed in that way so our just generic thoughts go that route um but of course we you know i encourage you know wisdom in god and and prudence in god um and that will be much more effective definitely that's right it is god who forms the basis for our consciences and you know the bible speaks of having a seared conscience which is basically if you you know burn all the nerve endings off of your fingertips then you can't feel anything anymore mm. 
and if our conscience is like that, it's no longer sensitive to right and wrong, or we can't really have a guilty conscience because we do what's wrong and we don't feel guilty anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a dangerous place to be. But giving thought to our ways, really, that should involve a spiritual process based on our relationship with God, which empowers that um, those thoughts. And, you know, God is speaking to us through his word and uh, even through his Holy Spirit as to what we should be doing. Yeah, that's good. Well, let's end on that. That's a good note to end on. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. And uh, remember to always keep your mouth closed and your eyes open. <laughs>